0: Welcome to Bite Size Battles. Welcome back, everyone, to the second episode of the English Game of Thrones, dedicated to a battle which has often been overshadowed by events at Hastings just three weeks afterwards. But this was a key moment at Stamford Bridge near York in England, a clash between Viking and Anglo Saxon, without which may have seen an entirely different outcome to the whole game. Its place in this story is monumental. When the English king Edward the Confessor died in January 1066, he left no heir and three main claimants to the crown. One was Harald Hardrada, king of Norway, who was related to Canute the Great, who had made himself king of England after the Battle of Assenden 50 years earlier, as we saw in our last episode. The second was Harold Godwinson, The most powerful of all English noblemen, who claimed that Edward the Confessor had anointed him as his successor on his deathbed. The third, of course, William, Duke of Normandy, who himself had been promised the crown by Edward years earlier, and had in fact forced Harold Godwinson's submission when he had been shipwrecked in Normandy in ten sixty four. So here are the three players in our English game of thrones: the Viking Hardrada the Anglo-Saxon Harold, and the Norman William. Harold quickly had himself crowned King of England just a day after Edward's death, enraging Hardrada and William. He knew the Vikings and Normans were coming for him, but he didn't know who would strike first or where. Early in the year, Harold's spies told him that William was building a huge fleet in Normandy, and he gathered an army, of around 15,000 men in the south of England in baited anticipation. But as the summer wore on, there was no sign of William, and with supplies running low, Harold had no choice but to disband his army in early September. He really must have been hoping that as the sailing season was coming to a close, the weather would keep his enemies away until next year. But it wasn't to be. Just a week after Harold disbanded his army, On the 20th of September, Hardrada sailed up the river Ouse in northern England with 300 ships carrying 11,000 Vikings. He was joined there by Harold's brother Tostig, who had been exiled earlier. Within days, Hardrada and Tostig had annihilated a hastily assembled northern English army at Fulford near York. In fact, this army was destroyed so completely that it could play no further part in the fights to come, and its loss would be sorely felt at Hastings and for years afterwards. You can just imagine how Harold's heart must have sunk when he heard. But, as a man of action, he now raced 185 miles north in just four days, regathering what men he could on the way. He arrived on the 25th of September 1066, the same day as it happens that the leaders of the city of York had agreed to meet Hardrada to discuss surrender at Stamford Bridge, just a few miles away. It turns out that the 25th of September had been a pretty hot day that year, and because the Vikings had expected Harold to stay in the south to wait for William, they were carefree and relaxed, basking in the sun and generally lolling about carelessly. They had even left their armour with their ships in the River Ouse. That decision was about to haunt them. Rounding a hill, Harold's army suddenly hove into view of Hardrada's, armour and spear points sparkling in the sun. Panic struck the Vikings as a guard force by the bridge itself was quickly overwhelmed. The bulk of the invasion force was on the other side of the river, and they scrambled from all directions before the English could storm across the bridge and overwhelm them. What happens next is one of the most iconic and legendary moments in Norse history. As the Scandinavians desperately came together under Hardrada's banners, a lone Viking stood astride the bridge, daring the Anglo-Saxons to come to their deaths. The chronicles tell us that he was a giant of a man, blonde, hugely muscled and probably armed with the fearsome Danax. It is said, that he cut down 40 English champions as they tried to force their way across. This single Viking held up the entire English army, giving Hardrada the breathing space to regroup his men into an ordered shield wall. Just as Harold must have been wondering which of his men could overcome this demigod, a wily Englishman floated down the river in a barrel and skewered the gigantic Viking with his spear from beneath the bridge. As the giant's body was finally splashing lifeless into the water, Harold's army surged across to face the Vikings en masse. While the English formed up, a man rode out to meet Hardrada and Tostig, offering the latter his earldom in England back if he abandoned his Viking allies. When Tostig asked what Hardrada would get, the man replied that he would be given just six feet of English soil, or seven feet as he is taller than most men. As the man rode away, Hardrada laughed, impressed at his brazen confidence, and asked who he was. Tostig looked at Hardrada sharply, and told him the man had been Harold Godwinson himself. The English were eager, and after the customary taunts and insults shouted across the field, they charged. This was one of the last great shield-wall battles of the age, and they were incredibly brutal affairs with men crushed together, barely able to swing sword or axe, close enough to smell the stinking breath and breakfast of the man opposite you. Generally, the bravest, most able and best armed men would take the front ranks, so a battle of this kind could last hours, which this one did. It was a slogging match of iron, blood and sweat, mingled with the stench of emptied bowels and the screams of the dying. But Harold had the numbers and the armour, while Hardrada had neither, having left their armour of course with their ships, along with three thousand of his men to guard them. As time went on, these advantages began to tell. Hardrada took an arrow to the throat and Tostig was butchered somewhere in the desperate melee. With the head cut off, the Viking shield wall began to fracture, allowing English warriors to rush through and begin hacking at them from the rear. This was too much to bear, and the late arrival of the 3,000 shipguards wasn't enough to stop the invasion force disintegrating, running for their lives as they were hunted down by the victorious English. The death toll was so great that when Hardrada's son Olaf was allowed to return home, he needed just 24 of the original 300 ships to take him, suggesting no more than 1,000 men survived from the 11,000 who had arrived in England just days earlier. So devastating was it that historians have often considered Stamford Bridge as marking the end of the Viking Age. While large raids did continue for some time, as we shall see in later episodes, never again did the Vikings threaten to conquer England. Crucially, maybe 5,000 of Harold's own warriors had died, which together with the loss at Fulford, meant a potentially game-changing force was to be sorely missed in the weeks to come. Just three days after Harold's overwhelming victory at Stamford Bridge, Duke William of Normandy landed with his own army in the south. And so, Harold took his Anglo-Saxons on the second forced march in a week, a round trip of nearly 400 miles. He arrived in London by the 8th of October. Harold had demolished one rival and he was confident he would demolish another. William and his Normans, though, were about to test that confidence to the limit. The outcome would change the fate of England and the British Isles forever. See you next time on the 14th of October, for our next episode exactly 954 years to the day after one of the most famous battles in European history, the Battle of Hastings.